Come on. Come on, boys, huh? Today it's not it's not good enough just to say we want it, huh? We everyone wants to win here, huh? We gotta show it. We gotta earn it. Not one single game in this league is easy. Here we come here with another team in our face. Let's get three points, win this game, go back to Dallas. Let's go. FC Dion three! One, two, three! FC Dion! FCD, one, two, three, let's go, Paul, Captain Paul Ariola there. Uh, good stuff leading the team. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of Afterburn Soccer. It's been a couple weeks because of just technical issues, but we're back. We're ready to talk about FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, Major League Soccer, and anything else y'all want to talk about. We got some juicy stuff to touch base with tonight. Uh, so be sure to share, be sure to comment, be sure to say hello. Uh, we'll include you in the show. And, of course, I'm Nathan Hill. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill on Twitter. Uh, 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 there also with us today is our buddy Tom, uh, Tommy LaBeouf, at Tom underscore FC Dallas. Uh, El, the, the man himself, Jose Carmona, at El Chico Carmona down below. Up, and also everybody? Ishmael Belcora at Belcora Ishmael. We, we got some good stuff to get into. Let's start with the, the most important thing, which is this weekend FC Dallas got – a road win and its first clean sheet of the season. Long overdue. A one nothing victory. It was a little bit gutsy, a little bit gritty. But also, really, when you look at the numbers and you look at just how this game played out, FC Dallas maybe was unlucky not to get a second goal. But at the very least, they, they were far more in control of this game than watching it kind of felt like at times just because that 1-0 lead is, is just so, so nervy for this team historically. Uh, and, and they survived too. Uh, first of all, the go-ahead goal by Jesus Ferreira was not the prettiest goal in the world. It was just a poacher's thing, uh, but it, you, you just take it. You know, you just take it. And then um, a last-minute penalty call on a really a non-foul in the box that luckily VAR uh, came back in and, and, and made the right call and corrected it so that the one nothing result – uh, has gone in FC Dallas' favor. Big three points on the road. So let's just get our reactions to the match, uh, reactions to, to the performance that you've seen, and uh, you know uh, how you're feeling on this day after after a good three points for FC Dallas. Jose, we'll start with you. I'm feeling great. Uh, it's my opinion that that the good teams, when they when they lose three points at home, need to go on the road and get those three points back. And I'm feeling better now. You know. Um, getting those three points against Miami, making up for that, dropping those three points against Minnesota. I mean, it ain't ideal. I'd rather to not drop points at home. But like I said, it's, it's my opinion that if you drop three at, you know, if you drop points at home, you need to regain those on the road, especially in MLS. So I'm very happy with the way the team played. Um, honestly, we're fortunate not, not to win by more than, than a one-zero score, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, other than the, the last second drama there from, from Miami, I, I, I thought I was mostly had it under control. Yeah. Ishmael, your reaction? Um, I mean, it was a stressful game because of that second half, right? And I think that, again, with the amount of chances that we had in the first 30 minutes, you'd hope that we'd lead into halftime with at least a 2-0 result. I feel like the team at its peak last year would, and we saw that in multiple instances, like the game against Orlando and, so, and stuff like that. Those kinds of games, uh, it, it, I think that this team still has a way to go. It's very, um, 
encouraging that they were able to keep the clean sheet because it was genuinely concerning that in the first six games before this that we could not keep teams off the board, whether that be because of defensive, like, singular errors or just defensive shaped in work or whatever it may be. So getting that clean sheet was super important. It was great to see VAR call something for us for a change. Um, True. Hopefully that continues. That would be great. Um, it was just, and it was a great thing to see Jimenez and Farrow team up like that. It it's still a little rocky, and it's I think that's clear. But to have those kinds of options is something that I think this team missed last year, and that's one of the reasons why we didn't go further in the playoffs last year because we just didn't have too many options to change the team shape in game. And now we have one more, which is always a plus. Yeah, definitely. Tommy, your reactions? Yeah, well, first of all, I've I watched the highlights. I haven't been able to watch the whole game in its fullest, but uh, I can say that uh, Giovanni Jesus seems to be like a player that speed. Um, I haven't seen anyone on the team get space like he got in the first few minutes of the game to get that assist, all right? Not, not on the left side. We haven't seen um, Velasco get that space, right? He's always losing the ball now. He's been great at shooting, but we don't have people – creating space like we did with Giovanni Jesus on that that pass and um, you know just credit to the uh, FC Dallas uh, philosophy of getting the, the attackers in the box he had a lot of touches on the ball there Jesus hit it to the other guy and came back to him and he scored um, I think prior to that uh, they left the goal in the field you remember the shot that Jesus had first few minutes of the game where he tapped the ball to the right and he shot it but he had two guys unmarked mm-hmm. it would have mm-hmm. been better to pass it over you know you watch I watched Germany play they always get the open guy the shot, right? They never take the bad shot. It's not a bad shot that he took, but I felt it was not his best choice. When you have players open, you got to get them open. Sure. I think, I think, I think what that means though is that we have the players in place on the attacking side. We really don't have any complaints other than that they're still a young team, and I think you know uh, the new guy that we just signed has got to learn to work with Jesus. But we already seeing more space for Jesus, which is going to be more goals and more goals for the other striker as well. I, I think the only piece, missing piece on this team now is the center back. I think that we still need a bona fide center back. But I'm really excited about this team. I, what I'm seeing right now, I see a lot of space on the attacking side, and I think that's a positive. Well, there was a great uh, Twitter uh, thread by an inner Miami reporter. I'll link to it on the afterburn.soccer website uh, that Jose shared as well that kind of highlighted why that space was that really inner Miami played into FC Dallas's hands. Um, and, and, and FC Dallas, it was either a Nico masterclass of tactical adjustment, but also, or just, just you know, taking advantage of a team that, that was going to go out and try to push for the win and all the space that they left out behind. Because you just saw in that first half just chance after chance, and even a few times in the second half, though, it, FC Dallas looked definitely just that they wanted to bottle this thing up, especially once Jesus went off with a, what we understand is a precautionary kind of uh, situation, just like Paxton went off a couple weeks back. So uh, hopefully he's back and healthy and everything like that. But, yeah, good stuff. Well, let's let's jump over to here, Nico. I asked him after the game, as head coach, FC Dallas head coach Nico Estevez, it's just about – this is the second game. He got a yellow card. I, I misspoke. I said it was the second game in a row, but it was, it was actually a home game in between, and he did not get a yellow uh, And I just said, hey, is that – you know, you seem like a really nice guy you know, to talk to. 
is this you just trying to get get more from the refs, get some respect, you know? And he just laughed, but you'll you'll hear his response. And as he talks also about protecting guys like Velasco. Well, oh, yeah, he's he's uh, not the second straight. It was uh, against LFC. Uh, we had a game in between. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better. <laughs> no, uh, uh, the thing is, uh, sometimes uh, when uh, when it's something that is in a, that is a rule, you know, that is a this is what pissed me off a little bit, you know, because you just need to apply the rule. If the rule says say this, just just do it. And when you don't do that, what it comes to me is like, or he doesn't know it, or something is is, is wrong. And this is what I was uh, telling Marco that uh, he's a fantastic fourth official, and he was hanging me, with me there and, and calming me. But this is why, uh, and I don't think uh, it was for me. I think it was someone in the in the staff. And uh, uh, because they were telling me now, and and then he showed to me, but I think it was someone in the in the staff. Uh, but I'll get it, and and then I have to be a little bit more calm uh, on the bench. Uh, but uh, you know, I was fighting with my my guys, and I was trying to uh, protect them, and, and that's it. Because um, you know, uh, one tendency, and I ask some players when they go to Europe, uh, one of the difference, no, to from MLS and. And uh, you here, the defenders use a lot their hands to defend. And when you go to Europe, you, you cannot do that because they're calling fouls to you. Uh, and then this is uh, one of the things uh, that they use too much their hands that, you know, it, the rules said you cannot defend even with the hands. And, and this is what I was complaining and more for Alan because I wanted to protect him because it has been consecutively like games where they are not calling him clear fouls when the opponent is just, when he goes inside, he, they just use their hands to push him and stabilize him and uh, destabilize him. And uh, I just wanted to to show that is, we need to protect players like him, you know, because uh, if something is going on with him that they don't call uh, fouls that are very obvious. So, Nico, so it, it may that that's, that yellow card it may not have been for Nico. That's what he said. Maybe for a staff person. I didn't, didn't go back and check yet to see if that was later on added to the uh, official game record or anything. But um, he, you know, I, you you brought up Alan Velasco, Tommy losing the ball and stuff, and and I think uh, Nico has a point there. I do think Alan is is kind of becoming the sort of shades of Mauro Diaz, uh, the guy on the field for teams that just to hack. Uh, just to, to 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 slam, you know, and and, uh, and sometimes it's called and sometimes it's not called, and so I appreciate Nico, you know, getting into the ref's ear and trying to uh, change the the sort of tendency of, or the urge for refs maybe to overlook some of those little fouls. Um, I, I want to add something to that. Um, Velasco, he's not a burner, and, and he's matched up against a guy like Yedlin, who is a burner. And, and so Velasco isn't going to create space by outrunning any, anybody. He creates space by his dribbling, you know, um, his, his, his uh, fancy footwork and stuff. And, and you can tell he's still, he's still trying to figure it out, you know, especially since teams tend to, uh, well, Miami didn't have to, but most teams you see either double-team him or put their fastest guy on him and, or just playing the hell out of him. So, it, it, he's a smallish guy, so I don't think that, I mean, all he can do is get stronger and, and maybe that'll improve over time. But the kind of space that we're seeing from Giovanni Jesus, 
that's you know that's you know brings back Brian Reynolds type memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was a smart smart start by the way against uh, a team like Miami who likes to send uh, like Rucci used to do. You know, send both both the uh, left back and the, and the right back into the attack without keeping one back. Uh, it was smart to start uh, Giovanni Jesus uh, to take advantage of that. Um, but I, I'm, even though he's looked good, I'm not sure he's, he's not to a I think I think going forward, we're going to see uh, Nico basically uh, prioritize the matchup, you know, and, and, and that will determine who starts at right back. And in this case, the fact that both of uh, uh, Miami's backs pushed forward, you wanted some speed out there. You wanted to take advantage of that. And, and you pick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't mean to knock. I wasn't really knocking Velasco. I mean, I know he is still young, and he's not a, a Castillo type of player. But I'm just saying is that we don't have that burning on the left side, right? But we yeah, well, it's far right from just a, it's a defensive yeah. guy. Yeah, and, and, and and I, if you remember last year, uh, Nico used to move Velasco to the middle, and he was very effective as, as a dribbler and an assist person. Uh, I, I still think the, the best is yet to come. I'm, I'm really not knocking him. I'm just saying he's not a speed player. You know. Uh, no, no, I don't think he ever has. I, I, think, I think teams are hacking him more now this year than they did last year. Right, uh, and the best is yet you know, to come. I, I'm excited for what he's going to become. Yeah, they're identifying that he can make those moves that just – he can yes. do some things with his feet and with the ball that it can be a real problem for teams. So they're just trying to throw him to the yeah, ground. Yeah, watching, watching him and Paxton getting hacked. Although Paxton, let's be honest, has been doing some hacking of his own. I mean, this, this kid. <laughs> I'm watching the game as you speak, and he just got a yellow card for the highest. Yeah, he's, high, high, yeah. he's, he's finding his little... He's more combative. Dog. I mean, he's more combative. Uh, yeah, which is what the team game. needs from him, because you're not getting that from Quinone necessarily. And in fact, when Quinone has done that, it's been disastrous sometimes. Uh, so Paxton needs to go mm-hmm. out there, and especially in a in a four four two, you've got to have one central mid that's going to be sort of the ball winning, the destroyer, you know, out there trying to to create those opportunities when the ball stopped the play, you know. So Paxton did his job, uh, but it's been fun to see that. Uh, kind of that side of his game emerge you meant, a bit. You meant to say that Kion and Serio, neither of them are doing that. Well, yeah, well, sure. Neither of them are necessarily, that's their game either, right? Well, yeah. you know, Ishmael, I, I want to hear from you about, you know, we've seen a couple of games now with, with Giovanni Jesus starting and, you know, Tomasi came back in as a sub on this one, and which was, I thought was a good sub just to bring his energy and presence to hold out the result. But, you know, are you are you wavering in your Tumasi support? Do you still think that, or do you think this is just a game by game decision that the coaches are going to have to make week in and week out? I mean, I think it's mainly game by game, mainly because, like, it, it, I think it's actually the Surio Faku comparison is actually one that I think works really well here. Meant not given the players like styles or ages or situations or whatever it may be, but um, Surio and Faku, like, Surreal was really good at the start of the year, and then the last couple of games has, in my opinion, been a little wonky in how he plays, and Faku has been given more and more opportunity. And, you know, a goal isn't enough for Faku to deserve the starting role as center defensive mid, but it's something that, like, is in- 
increasing his credibility as being the starter. And I think that's what um, Nico has wanted in these types of positions. So now having Giovanni be able to do something very Brian Reynolds-esque um, in that goal is something that probably makes Nico very happy. It's not something Tomasi can do um, and hasn't been able to do successfully. But there were multiple instances in this game where, like, Giovanni's ability to defend was a little suspect. It's not terrible. It's not bad at all. Right. No, I agree. Um, I agree. It's, it's, not, it's not Brian Reynolds' level of poor defending when Brian Reynolds first started playing games. But it's, it, it's something there. And I think in this league, it, it takes a DP-level right back or a DP level wing back just to be a little bit more general for a defender for to get a player that is both good offensively and defensively. Like like a Reggie Cannon type. I don't think we're gonna get that anytime soon. And so both players are extremely serviceable in what they can do. And so when a game requires Giovanni, you play Giovanni. When a game requires Tomasi, you play the King. That's that's the decision making that you do game to game. And I want to add that they're both young, so I still expect Tomas and, and Giovanni to improve. To what extent, we won't time will tell, but I think it's good that they don't be pushing each other. I, I agree, and I think like uh, competition's good. It's what, the, it's what coaches want um, for these guys, and to, to show they uh, you know, uh, push, push each other to be as best as they can be, as good as they can be. Well, um, so great, a great weekend. You know, a tough one for Inter Miami fans who I know who are struggling with this result. But uh, we'll get to some other major league chit chat here in a minute. But of course, we turn our attention to North Texas. Did not, I uh, did not pull down any, uh, you know, uh, video or anything from the match. But North Texas had their opener at Choctaw Stadium and welcomed Vancouver uh, Whitecaps too, and just got smoked. Just got smoked. Four-one loss. Only goal came from from. Uh, Costa from his first goal of the year, but uh, overall, just a lot of disappointment from head coach Javier Cano. Just the not after two solid games of, of, of solid enough defensive performances to to battle for straight wins on the road, two straight wins, which is something to be excited about. To give up, you know, four goals in your first opening match, it just wasn't wasn't good enough for the team, and kind of a disappointment. Also, the first start for Webster uh, in a, a new goalkeeper in goal with them, not not thinking it's the brightest, you know, start for him either. But hey, um, this is part of being a, a pro soccer player, right? Uh, Jose, what what were your reactions to that result? Well, I you know, North Texas has been playing a four three three and sometimes a four four two. So it was, it was kind of interesting to see them roll out a 3-4-3 formation that I haven't seen them use before. And they played like they never used it before. I mean, in theory, it looked like it should work. You know, you got your three best center backs out there uh, because Norris was out there along with, the, with the, uh, Henry and, and uh, uh, the kid that came that they used to play for Solar. But... Uh, the two starting center backs for the first two matches started, and they brought in Norris to the third. And in theory, it looked good. It looked like it should work, but my goodness, it collapsed quickly. And myself as a, as a, as a fan, you know, I, I, I was 
saying uh, in private chat that I was disappointed that the team decided to try uh, new tactics and new formation against Vancouver, who's a solid team. I mean, I don't know if you guys have read my my top ten, but I haven't I haven't listed five because they are a rock solid team. They're gonna you know they're not gonna beat themselves. They're gonna catch you on the counter. And, but at the same time. It's just a reminder that it is a reserve league, and if you're going to try new formations, new tactics. You know, yeah. this is where this is the level you do it at. You know, mm-hmm. and and yeah, they they made some mistakes and they got punished, and they were recovered and move on, and hopefully, and you know, it played like a never before used that formation. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was amusing. We'll see what they try next time. I, I, I hate to see. Just like F. Dallas, I hate to see North Texas drop points at home in, in that fashion too. I mean, it, it was my goodness. It was, it was, it was yeah, cool. yeah. The way that they played, it just like I'm going to be honest, it wasn't like awful. I think that if you look at the game itself, I think both teams, like Vancouver, had more shots and were better on the attacking front. But both teams were somewhat evil, even in how they played. Like you could tell that there wasn't a massive difference in skill level, but it really was just mistake after mistake, especially in those like first twenty minutes, where yes. it was just very confusing. And I think the worry is, like, yes, it's a new formation, but the defensive mistakes that led to those first three goals, it's just poor marking, like very poor marking. One. Off a cross, one off a corner kick. I'm gonna have a third one. But like those kind of mistakes, again, individual mistakes. It seems that's what's killing both teams recently, like leading to the goals that they concede. And it's just those are the things that like indicate: Are you still in preseason form? Because you're too deep into your maybe not maybe not with North Texas, but like you're getting to the point where. This is a season. You are in the regular season. These kinds of mistakes happening this consistently is not acceptable for these for these players. Yeah. And I just wanted to add my, my frustration with the rolling out the information is look, Ellis Mexico, it's it's an uneven league. There's maybe like your top twelve teams that are really good. And then there's just a big drop off. Where teams, I mean, I, my frustration is North Texas could have ran this out against any other team. They, they all Salt Lake. I mean, uh, there's there's quite a few bad teams out there. That you, you know, Portland's bad. Uh, there's you, you could, but Vancouver wasn't one of those teams. That, that Vancouver is is a top ten squad, top twelve squad. And, and they were not going to beat themselves. And they're the kind of team that can punish you for those kinds of things. So that was my frustration with the matches. We tried new formation, new tactics, that there weren't going to be mistakes. There are teams you can roll that out against that that you're going to be able to see, not not get, you know, obliterated like they did Vancouver. Like I said, there's some teams that will play really young squads that you won't get punished. But at the same time, I mean, if that's the game plan is to, you know, you're going to roll it out against one of the better teams, and and, and maybe that makes you better. I mean, I, I, I could yeah. do it. I, I myself, as a fan, I'm, I'm disappointed with it, but I understand. Hopefully, the team will be improved off of 
this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the whole young squad. Uh, you know, and Cano said after the game that he felt like they had the best um, lineup. They, they had their best players out on the field. Yeah, but obviously, Except yeah. Technically, our third goalkeeper, you know, yeah. behind Ikura, behind uh, Iceland. So, and, and honestly, it's late, like a third keeper. I'm sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a quick turnaround. Uh, they play again, uh, I think, on Wednesday of this week. Um, have a quick turnaround. Awesome. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have to uh, get on the bus and, and kind of put that behind them and, and, and get back to their road form to kind of build from there. So, uh, we'll be getting some content from them. Uh, and also, by the way, I, I had a sit-down interview over Zoom with uh, a young player on the team in the second year with North Texas. He hasn't, hasn't featured many. His name is, uh, is Alex Ar- Arenada, uh, Arenada, and uh, he's actually a, a local Southern California kid who jumped from the California United Strikers over to North Texas, and it was fun to chat with him. So I'll have a feature on the on Afterburn Soccer with him. He's a uh, really big really big midfielder uh right. and the reason, one of the reasons we didn't see him feature is because they were they've been transitioning him to to center back right and, and, and now and and that's a good thing in that he's got the body and the build for it but the bad thing is that he's probably the fourth best center back at best on north texas once you include Norris and corica and, and henry so, as long as Norris or Corica get sent down to play with North Texas, uh, Aaron Eda is basically a, a sub. He's the starter. Neither of those guys show up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think I think. Yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience for him. So look for that. You'll find it interesting, Jose. It was a good conversation with him. Uh, yeah, and he primarily played growing up playing midfielder, and now they're they're working on him with a center back, and he feels comfortable there, but. It's clear there's a lot of competition uh, for him to sort of. And maybe I remember maybe, the first time the first time he, he subbed in for North Texas, I was like, "Who's that big guy in the middle? You could not miss him." Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's big body, not not big lanky. He was a big body kid. Well, some other some other um, uh, shout outs here. Let me see if I can make sure I have the right thing. First can, of all, yeah. just, oh uh, sure. I was just gonna say one last thing. Uh, uh, Austin FC, uh, FC two. Uh, Really solid team. Um, North Texas is going to have to, you know, play play like they played the first two games and not the third game. Uh, the the guy, their danger guy, is uh, David Rodriguez. We all remember him. He's a starter for them. He's on loan from EIMX, uh, and and uh, that's the guy you got to watch out for. You know, a friendly face. For a team that that's won all their games at home, so it should be a, a tough, tough matchup. Okay, good stuff. Well, we do want to uh, give give a celebration to Inter Miami. Uh, you know, for, um, uh, for you know, El Matador had a great um, great cra- traveling contingent for that match, and and were uh, allowed to bring instruments into the match and got got a shout out from even from uh, uh, Inter-Miami supporters for their presence throughout the game. It was good stuff. So, so we just celebrate that kind of stuff. That makes soccer better. And, and finally, the more important thing is just to really get to, get to the wonders of uh, um, 
of Major League Soccer, the wildness. We saw the craziest, one of the, the bizarre, most bizarre and stupid red cards I've ever seen in Major League Soccer when uh, uh, LA Galaxy player tapped the ref on the shoulder while he was doing a VAR check. I mean, what do you think was going to happen, dude? I, mean, I just don't. And then uh, Austin FC, they're in, uh, uh, they're in their doldrums now. I guess uh, they're not the the great exciting thing that's happening. We got Sporting I mean, Kansas City. Over? I mean, gosh, yeah. The, I guess the, over. I mean, the honeymoon it's, it's is over. Great. It's great when you're it's great when you're an expansion team and get the sort of support, and you got all this gam and tan that you're losing. And if you do it right, you come out and have a good first year two years uh and then you can become like orlando and, and suddenly all your fans that fill up the stadium i'm not sure now. Now, austin i don't think austin's gonna have that problem because I, their stadium you know for a team that uh for her, their fans are always crapping on, on fc dallas's attendance that, like their their stadium only holds like a thousand more people so so by expansion standards it's a pretty crappy stadium or any uh, Austin FC fans that, that might listen to this. That's that's the honest truth. By by expansion standards, it's not a good stadium, and and uh, we'll see we'll see if uh, the demoralized the yeah. fans show up or if they you know abandon ship. I mean, it's just it's just this is what is wonderful about Major League Soccer is that because it's not a pro. Pro relegation, promotion relegation league, like the, the 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 margins are pretty thin from from being a last place team to competing near the top. It just takes a few moves. It takes some guys getting healthy, takes some trades in the league, and all of a sudden you're competing again. And and the other team that maybe won last year, it kind of st- stood pat, didn't make any moves. You know, like they they start to get dragged down a little bit. You know, it's just. It's just the strangest league for that. I mean, you just can't assume anything. Of course, LAFC is looking like they're, you know, they're in control. Uh, they just demolished Austin. But, uh, you know, even Sporting Kansas City was looking really good at the tail end of last year. And, boy, they have been trash. And I know there's been injuries and stuff. LA Galaxy are just lost. They're just – I don't know what that team is going to do. Um, and, meanwhile, Houston Dynamo are fun to watch, which – it hasn't been a, it's been ah, a few years. Better. Better. And that's who Dallas? La, la, la. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, funny that you bring up Galaxy and Sweaty Kansas City, two teams that, that basically, uh, I believe they both extended their, their head coaches, even though they didn't have great seasons. I mean, they were basically, from an outsider point of view, if you don't watch the league, it's, you're basically rewarding uh, mediocrity really and and now you're seeing the results of that you're seeing you're seeing these teams look at lag their their fans have been out there with the team moves and the, the, the team has sort of ignored them and now the product on the field i mean it's it's, it's making the fans yeah. seem like they knew what they were talking about uh so yeah it's it's it's, like well, you said, yeah, you, you let's go on the record here. You can't, you can't sit on your laurels. Just because just a coach did wonderful things three or four years ago, yeah. that's a long, long time ago in, in MLS years because this league is constantly adding new rules. Uh, race, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. some outrageous, some good. 
uh, you know, this this thing evolves, and if you stay packed, you, you get left behind. You know, like so, so we're talking about uh, you know Kansas City Galaxy, Esther Dallas. Esther Dallas is still on the up and up. I want to I want to say that's my opinion. Uh, I think that we have a good coach. I think that the roster with the new signings that we just added, we're almost there. I mean, I mean, it, we're competitive. I mean, like I mean, any day we can play with anyone. And uh, while you, you know, but wait, wait, is that a? I think we're still going up. I, I don't think that we've you know leveled off or anything like that. I think that if we get another center back, that'll just make the difference. And the more this team plays together, the better they're going to be. Uh, we all got to remember that Miami is not the best team. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's all relative. But, the, you know, Paxton, Ferreira, Velasco, Ariola, the, the keeper, the new guys that we signed, we have a good – we have competition in more than one spot, right? Uh, I'd like to see a better, you know, holding mid. But I, I think we're on that path. Go ahead, Jose. I, I just wanted to expand on, on what Tommy was saying. and say, look, I think – us as FC defense, we thought that the team did not do enough analysis. Let's be honest, we were all complaining about, about the lack of moves. So when you only make a handful of moves, two, three, four moves tops, you gotta get those moves right. And taking a look at, at, yeah. at the game against Miami, who who was involved in that scoring play? It was Giovanni Jesus, Jesus Jimenez, two of the two of the guys, two of the Big names they brought in. I wouldn't say big names, but you know, guys that were brought in to make a difference made a difference. And then, of course, once once the team went to three in the back, it comes Ibiaga to help solidify. You know, to, to help shut down Miami. And and also, I believe uh, Jupa I, I, I was also brought into it. I believe. Yeah. Um, there you go. Those are your additions you brought in that you expected to give you minutes. And, and they were all involved in one form or another in securing that point on the road. It's it just a sign that, like I said, if you're, if you're like FC Dallas, and you're only gonna make a couple of moves, you need to get those moves right. We've, we've all been complaining about, you know, putting on the fence mm-hmm. on Ibiaga. Yeah. Sure. But Jimenez looks looks like steel. And, yeah, I agree. And, and, and Giovanni Jesus also looks like a steel. Yes, um, yes. So, you know, you got two guys who, who we feel are playing better than we expected them to play. And then you got Ibega who's honestly playing where we thought he'd be, you know, but he's, he's, he's sometimes good, sometimes bad. That's honestly what we thought he was. And, and played in the right, at the right time, the right formations. That can, that can also be a good thing. So, um, hope, hope they continue to perform for Nico. And the other thing I was going to say real quick is that uh, Ferreira, I think Ferreira is playing better than he did last year. I, I see him just missing the post on a curve shot. I see him hit the post. Now, yes, we want the goes to go in, but he's making the right decisions, even though earlier in the show I said he should have passed. <laughs> he, he, he's playing better. I, I, I think that he's going to get more space this year. I would not be surprised he scores more goals than he did last year. And Jimenez, I think, gives him that freedom that, that we've been saying. Yeah, hey, be it would be nice yeah. to have Jesus playing as, as behind he another. He scored a lot of goals last year, but he didn't have the space. Even though he scored a lot of goals. It well, was, you know, that's because Jesus was asked to, asked to do the dirty work 
and then yeah. score. And now that we've yeah. got, we're going to start Jimenez. Jimenez can do all the dirty work, all the heavy lifting, and it frees as used to roam. Nobody and, was taking and attention from the defense except Pereira. So now exactly. I think it leaves them an opportunity. Well, all right. Well, look, here's the question we're going to close out the pod with um, for, for this day. And, of course, we want everyone to, to follow us on afterburn.soccer, subscribe for free, and, you know, we'll, we'll be sending out our, our the podcast episodes and everything. We'll get this one out tomorrow. But each of you, who was the first head coach out of those that we just talked about to go? Is it Vanny at L.A.? Now, my only reasoning, probably not, is because I think Vanny was brought in for a long-term transformation of Los Angeles Galaxy, like what he did with Toronto, kind of building them up. But the question is, are they going to have enough? He's already been there you know, a couple of years. Uh, and, you know, is he, is he going to have enough time? Is, is it, are they making any progress in that regard? Um, I think Austin fans are already calling for Josh Wolf to change, to be, you know, I, which seems premature, but let, uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll drink those tears. You know, you know who's gonna go first, or at least should be going first. Gerard Struber from New York Red Bulls. Well, good, good, good. good. He should be going. Did y'all see his statement? Do they just release their statements? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Not not a very good statement. This is after. uh, Yeah, there was a whole another piece of Major League Soccer this weekend of of a racist slur from a Red Bulls player. Uh, used in that game, 20-minute stoppage time as they try to figure out what to do. Wild, wild one. And really, uh, kudos to Luchi Gonzalez, um, Jeremy Ibobasi for just saying what needed to be said. But yes, pretty lame non-apology from. from yeah, but I think coach. I think if, if that if that happens, the Red Bulls manager is replaced. That'll be like. Maybe league-driven, you know, not results-driven. That'll be the league that's still there. You know, we can't have this. But as far as performance-wise, I think it's the Galaxy. At the end of the day, I think the Galaxy have higher uh, expectations than Sporting Kansas City uh, or some of these other teams. And LA Galaxy is, is not a club that sees, them, sees itself at the bottom of the league. It's a team that sees itself as a contender, or you know what I mean, a team that should be competing uh, for playoffs and titles, and I don't think it's susceptible. And if they linger there, I expect I don't really care what what Rainy does. It's it's going to be it's going to be hard to retain him because of like I said, LNG, They have higher standards than Spurs, and they're not. Good. It's it's not going to be SKC or LA Galaxy, in my opinion, mainly because those two coaches have uh, systems behind them that are basically forcing them to stay. Like, there's no way that they're leaving. If we're talking performance-based, I think the coach that is most likely to leave is probably Losada at Montreal because we know how toxic Montreal is, and they're at the same amount of points. They're at three points. They have a win and a negative 13 goal differential. And we're seven games into you. this. Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to well, be Montreal. Yeah, and, and Losada was already like a toxic coach at DC. So, right. every They're just like, bye. You got three yeah. goals um, and you've given up 16. Come on. You know, yeah. We need people off the street to do better than that, right? And meanwhile, and Montreal's course, former coach is. We can't forget Neville. We're already starting to heal Neville out from the main right. defense. 
he had a lot of goodwill from from what he did at the end of last season. But the yeah. longer this this losing streak goes, the the that could gain momentum and and Kansas City has a lot to do with the, the injuries. Right, there's a lot of injuries. So, I mean, yes, yes, but but at the same time, it's at the end of the day, it's Miami. So we're talking, we're talking about signing Messi and, and all this stuff. And it's, it's like I said, at the end of the day, it's loss after loss after loss. And they're they're an expansion team, right? Right? You know, they're not that far removed from expansion team, so they're not used to this kind of uh, yeah. You know, downfall. Well, all right. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't it's know either. Going I don't, the wire, guys. It's going to be close. We'll, we'll watch. <laughs> yeah, we'll watch. But, you know, we'll see. It'll, it'll probably be a couple more weeks, I think, before one of these coaches. and. So who do we all call? I called Vaney. Ishmael, who, who you, you picked Montreal. Tommy, who did you pick? Montreal as well. Montreal. And then I think Vermees. Yeah, I, 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 oh, wow. I think Vermees. I think I think the guy's going to lose that locker room at some point. So. Um, I, I'm going to change my pick to Neville, by the way, only because even though I think Bainey should be fired, I think Bainey is being protected by the, the guy above him who should who needs to be fired first before Bainey gets yeah. fired. So it has to be a double beheading over there. So I'll go with Neville. All right. Well, good stuff. Let's leave it there. Of course, uh, get some good soccer to, to look forward to. FC Dallas will welcome Real Salt Lake home this weekend. So that'll be a good match. Of course, North Texas uh, on Wednesday evening. Um, just a lot of soccer to look forward to and enjoy. A lot of interesting things to see, especially what, what unfolds from this Red Bulls and San Jose uh, situation, what the league hands down as far as penalties and things. It's going to be uh, – and by the way, oh, yeah, this other thing I didn't even get into, like the athletic. I, I enjoy reading some of their articles, but then they had this article come out that says Jordan Morris should be the – the new number nine for the United States men's national team. And I'm just like, can we stop it? Can we, I, I appreciate Jordan Morris. He's having a great season so far. Good for him. That's a great just, article for the trolls. Just troll the European, yeah. the, the Euro. Gosh. Isn't he, a, isn't he a winger? Well, he, he originally was a number nine and, and he's doing some good things there, but you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just content. I guess we got to fill it. It's Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Tommy. Thanks, Jose. Hey, thanks, Ishmael. Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. <laughs>